Dapper Daily Dan is in the studio with me yet again. Daniel, it's week What's one. On? It's week well, I mean, I shouldn't say it's week one. It is week one, but this is the first football Sunday of the yes. NFL season. And um, I'm just gonna say right off the bat, I don't know about you. Maybe it's because I physically played football this morning. Didn't really seem like football Sunday to me, though. I don't know. It's so weird. You know, you, you need some time to get into it. I mean, I'm, it doesn't feel like fall yet. It feels still feels a little bit like summer. But, you know, football is what gets us a little closer to fall. Uh, but it, I have to say, it felt like football Sunday when, uh, if you watch Red Zone, you know the phrase, the witching hour. When <laughs> the witching hour came along at about 3.15 and, what is it, seven of those nine games or something were within one possession. Or, or the ones that weren't ended up in one possession. The Saints came back. The Colts came back. It was a wild day. Yeah, you know, I even said to my, um, I was talking to my friends towards like halftime, and my friend who's a big league believer in Tua Tagovailoa, he's probably listening right now, so he'll know exactly what I'm talking about. He said he was like, "Wow, Tua is leading." Uh, all passers at halftime with like the, the eye emojis, and I'm like, yeah, big whoop. I'm like, all these games suck. I'm like, there was the only interesting game at, at halftime was I think it was the Eagles and the Lions. It was it was 21 to 14 or something at halftime, and everything else was like 10 points or below. I mean, the Steelers were absolutely like crunching Joe Burrow at the time. It was just like everything. You know, the Jets were playing great defense in the first half, and. I, I I mean I know that you, I'm sure you were excited about that too. We'll get into that, but um, the Niners were up ten nothing too. That looked like a blowout. Waiting, yeah, to happen. it it looked like exactly what we were going to say it was. And uh, the second half, it was just a complete one eighty. And you you have to feel like. And before we actually get into it, uh, I think it was James Lofton who I can't stand as an announcer. By the way, he constantly bashes the Jets. Uh, never gives the Jets any credit. And one of the, for instances, was I think it was, um, I forget who made a great play on defense. Uh, I think Devin Duvernay caught the ball and then ran across. And before he made a football move, I, I think it was, I think it was DJ Reed. He like punched the ball out and like it was an incompletion. And the first thing James Lofton said, he goes, Oh, well, you have to figure if it's dry conditions, he holds on to that ball. It's just like, really, dude? Like, you couldn't just be like, wow, that was a great play by DJ Reed. But I don't even remember where I was going with this. What was I saying before that, Dan? <laughs> I, all I remember is talking about James Lofton. But uh, well, he got me fired. I know up. you like. I know you said you liked the Jets' great defense in the first half, which I think yeah, I don't even. I think yeah, but, we all did. But oh, but that's oh, right, right. You got back to James Lofton. Thank you. But he did bring up a good point where he said that a lot of these teams first string players didn't play at all in the preseason. So this is basically like the first half of football that we're playing. And we definitely saw a lot of rust around the league. So, you know, I, I thought to myself, I, I knew it was only a matter of time speaking about the jet game itself, because like, that's the game that I was mainly watching obviously, but like you could see in the second half, like Lamar Jackson, just ease back into, you know, playing football. And a lot of the players, easing back into playing football. The only team really across the league that looked like they didn't ease back into it was the New York Jets. But <laughs> well, we can get into that in a little bit. But, Dan, you had a great day. Um, we are recording this on September 11th uh, at, at night, at 9.30 at night on September 11th. But before we really, really got into anything, we did want to address, obviously, the 21st anniversary of the day that never should be forgotten in American history – and uh, I, I cannot believe, first off, it's been 21 years 
since then. I, it hits me every single year where I'm like, oh my God, tw- 20 years, 21 years. I remember saying to myself, oh my God, it's a 10 year anniversary of it. Uh, just, you know, absolutely horrible. Uh, it's, it's always a solemn day, but I guess football made it a little bit sweeter and, and a little bit easier to, uh, to palate as an American citizen today. Yeah, football has a way to do that. But, um, you know, it was great that I, I kind of like when when the first football Sunday falls on 9-11 because they honor, uh, they honor the day so well. I think every stadium puts out that that field-sized flag. And I think in, in a, at MetLife Stadium today, I think everybody sang the national anthem together. It was beautiful. Yeah, I caught that. And that was a, a great way uh, to honor the day. Um, you know, it's something that hits close to home for us because we're, we're both from New York. You're in New York. Um, I don't, I don't remember it. I was, I was a year and a half old, but you know, it's something I've, I've grown up with. I never had to, to learn about it. It's just kind of something as a New Yorker that, uh, that, that is, uh, and, and at least for my generation. And so you, you grow up uh, knowing this reality and whether that makes it easier or harder, you know, is, is anyone's guess. But uh, I, I was telling Peter, I just came back from the, the Pentagon Memorial since I'm living right around here now. And it was, a you know, it, it, a somber mood, but also, um, it's, it's very patriotic. It was something that you don't see very often, uh, even, even around the DC area, something you don't, you don't feel patriotism like you do, uh, on nine 11. And when you're in, in that kind of setting. And, uh, I, I was telling Peter that we happened to stumble across uh, a little ceremony that w- that they were doing, not a formal ceremony, uh, but a, a ceremony by a, a biker gang, self-proclaimed biker gang. I'm not calling them that. Uh, they were they were reading off the names of the 184 people that were killed at the Pentagon, including those who were in the plane that hit the Pentagon. Uh, they had some they had a few people share some great words about the sacrifices that a lot of those people who died in the Pentagon made. A lot of them were veterans. Uh, and it was a, a very touching ceremony. And everybody at the end uh, put roses on the benches of the of, of those who we lost on that day at the Pentagon. Uh, it was a great ceremony. I think what was so special about it was that I really did just stumble across it. Uh, and it wasn't anything formal. It's, it's this group of people that comes back to the Pentagon every year and pledges to do so every year going forward uh, to honor the people that they knew uh, who they lost. So that was uh, a, a nice way to, to end the night. Besides this, I guess we're ending the night with this. Oh, oh Dan, <laughs> you didn't have to throw that in there, but yeah, it's that today definitely was eased a little bit by NFL football, especially the first Sunday of the NFL season. And uh, I think the last time that 9-11 fell on the um, first week was in 2011, I'm pretty sure. Um, There was was one after that. I think maybe 16, 2016, I think. Maybe, yeah. I'm thinking now, I'm thinking with leap years and everything. But I specifically remember that because it was the Jets and the, the Cowboys on Monday Night Football a 9-11 and that was a super that was a great game I don't know if you remember that game but I do um yeah you know just uh something that eases the pain just a little bit I mean I was kind of in the same boat as you I think I was I just turned four or I was turning four when 9-11 happened but even then you could kind of sort of remember like I, I just remember coming home first off being so excited as a kid coming home early from school not knowing why you know, not knowing that it was probably the worst reason ever imaginable coming home from school early. But I just remember my mom being on the phone with my dad a lot throughout that day because my dad used to work all over. He used to work in the city, you know, the Bronx, Brooklyn, all that kind of stuff. 
uh, I just remember her being on the phone a lot, crying a lot, watching the TV. And I just, you know, you have no idea as, as a kid, you have no idea what's going on and, and growing up with it. Uh, you know, it's, it's the last thing I want to say is it's really, it's a real shame that to get unity and, and to, to be patriotic, it seems like it takes a, a real tragedy like September 11th to get everyone united in the country. But, you know, in, in uncertain times and times of such divide with, you know, political parties, you know, we don't get political on here, but it, it's nice to see at least that there's one day throughout the year where, you know, we could all come together and, and feel like Americans without any repercussions. I think you summed <laughs> it up perfectly. No, it's, it's the rare, the very rare moment of, moment of unity. Yes. And uh, getting back on a little bit of a happier note, as we want, that was the first thing we wanted to do is really address 9-11. Uh, Daniel, I did have the first game of my football season this morning, and uh, it did not go well. Uh, no, did <laughs> it not go well for just you or for the entire team? Um, let me paraphrase. Let me rephrase <laughs> that by saying it, it It was very rusty. So I I play sports throughout the year, so I, I wasn't really rusty. The rest of my team, we haven't played together on a team since 2018. So it was like, yeah, nostalgic. Yeah, we got back out there. Then we're, we were only losing by a touchdown for most of the game, but we just couldn't score. We turned the ball over on the one-yard line. I shit you not, Daniel, three times at the one-yard line, we turned it over on downs. The first time was uh, first time was a drop touchdown pass, and the second time was a drop touchdown pass, and the third time we made the catch at about the five-yard line, and <laughs> – and we didn't extend the ball over the goal line. Oh, you, you didn't make a football move? No, no, we, we we made a football move. We didn't make the most important football move to, towards the goal line. It oh, was just successful. Okay. Yeah, a couple of miscues, you know, a couple of miscues and stuff, but our defense played pretty well. I mean, the final score was 19 to 6. It sounds a lot worse than it was, but if you add those touchdowns, we win the game uh 24 to to 19 with that extra points or two point conversions. So you know, just you just go. things to work on, but uh, and it was also raining too, so the ball was slippery. So, you know, uh, James Lofton style. You know, a lot of guys would have would have caught the ball if it if it was dry conditions. Yeah, now but, you're on his side. Yeah, now now I you know what now I kind of see what he's talking about. But uh, so we did have a lot of things that not I shouldn't say a lot of things. We had a few things that we wanted to talk about, but the meat and potatoes of week one, maybe we'll make a, a, a one-time exception for the fact that this is week one. And not only that it's week one of the NFL season, this was probably the craziest week one that I could remember. I mean, we talked about it earlier before, like the games were dead. And then the second half, just a, a, a switch flipped and they became some of the, the best games that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. You know, I, I, I usually post if there's like nine, if the, let's say today, nine games uh, in the early window, uh, three or four, three, I post three or four games, three or four that either were crazy games or are very important. Uh, and I, I ended up posting about four of them today, uh, but usually I have to, I have to dig a little bit to find which one's mm-hmm. worth posting about versus another, you know, cause how many games end up in overtime out of the, the afternoon slate, how many end up in, uh, or how many come down to the final possession, uh, a couple usually. But nothing, you know, nothing crazy. This was this was crazy. I had to sift through maybe six or seven games that probably would have been worth posting on an average day. Uh, I can tell you one that wasn't. But I, I can tell you one that wasn't worth it. <laughs> no, I could tell you. I could tell you two that weren't worth it. Uh, they involve one team that that I think you like very much, uh, and another <laughs> team that I that I 
have not been fond of uh, throughout my life, and that's the New England Patriots. The Jets and the Patriots did not have a great day today. I think they're the they're the clear losers of the day, along with oh, maybe absolutely. the Colts. I, I will say one thing. What was the last time that the Jets scored more points on a week than the Patriots? So that was nice to say. There's always some. There's always a way that we could find a win as Jet fans because besides for on the football field, we have to find wins everywhere else because those wins come more common than they do on the football field. Now, how do you think you could put that on a banner? Do you think we could get that phrase on a banner up there that we scored more we than scored the more points in week one than the Patriots? Um I'm 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 sure that we could do it. As soon as Joe Klecko finally goes into the, the Hall of Fame, we could we could put a banner up there. All right, we'll have to workshop that that uh, whatever it's going to say on there. But sounds good to me. I think we could start on that game because, and also as we as we go along throughout these games, I think it would, it's important that we tell our listeners what games we picked on the uh, ASN podcast. Yeah. Pick them, which is great, by the way. We have about 20 members in there right now. So if you guys are late to the party and you still want to get in on the action, it is a public group at this point. So uh, I could always link. I am going to link it in the description below. So if you guys are interested, don't be afraid to join a week late. I joined a week late last year and I wound up having one of the best records that I've ever had. So I uh, don't think it's too late to join in on the party, but I think it's important to express, you know, how we did throughout the week because Dan did better than I, but Dan made safer picks than I did. So I don't want to hear any of that bullshit, but, <laughs> but I think uh, the Jets and the Baltimore Ravens are an important place to start because it, it showed really like a, a tale of two halves for the Jets. I mean, offensively, it was anemic from start to finish, but defensively, I mean, and and even I think it was Boomer Esiason said it as well that the, the Jets offense is so the Jets defense is so fun to watch because they're so fast and we've definitely seen a massive improvement. I think twenty four points given up to this Ravens team, uh, especially three points in the first half, it is <laughs> I was going to say the word remarkable and that's really sad, but I think it's a, it's a massive improvement and a lot of the plays. I mean the defense was on the field for so long you're going to start giving up touchdowns eventually. You know, Lamar Jackson's historically a very good uh, early season player. I think so his MVP season, they came out and like they won, I think they beat the Dolphins 59 to 10 or something like that. And they came out and like reamed the bills the next week. Uh, and then last year they, they beat the chiefs in week two. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he played, he played really well in a, a high offense loss to the Raiders. Uh, so keeping him in check to a degree uh, is a good start for the Jets. I think they have a lot to build on. Uh, Sauce Gardner had a great pass breakup in the end zone. You know, they they do play fast. They're a very young group. Jermaine Johnson had a sack. Uh, Encouraging things. The offense, it's it's in bad shape. It's in bad shape. And listen, I I do think, listen, they did a lot. They did a lot to fix the offense. They can't help the fact that they lost both Makai Becton and the right tackle they signed to replace him. Or I guess he's over at left now, Dwayne Brown. Yeah. Uh, They can't help that. But Joe Flacco is not good. He's not good. No. I, you know, I can't say promise that Zach Wilson will be better, uh, but they're not. They're not going to win anything with Joe yep. Flacco as their quarterback. I, I, I think he definitely. I think Zach Wilson will make a big difference, and the reason why is because we saw. I mean, not for nothing. I know that he threw the ball like fifty-six times today, which is like a record for him. But Joe Flacco did throw for three hundred and thirteen yards. The Jets' receivers are talented. They can get open. The problem with Joe Flacco was he's not mobile. He's an old-style quarterback and a new-style offense. To success in this Mike Lef- to succeed in this Mike Lafleur offense, you need to be a mobile quarterback. And I'm not saying that you know Zach Wilson is going to come out and be the second coming of Jesus, but 
with with a, a improved wide receiving core and, and tight ends and talented running backs, I think we're going to see the probably the best that we can expect from year two of Zach Wilson. I, I can't as much as I want to blame Joe Flacco. I really can't because yeah, you know, the the Baltimore Ravens pass rush was relentless from start to finish, and that's really that was really it. I feel like the Jets kind of moved the ball fairly easily i want to say through the air uh, on the on the ground it was a different story they also had the number one rush defense in the league last year so you knew from the beginning it was going to be tough but the first carry of the game went for 19 yards and in typical jets fashion you know you give the ball to michael carter he runs for 19 yards and the second play is a dead pass so t- typical jets offense there I-, I would like to say i i saw a lot of promise the jets defense played very promising dj reed had one of the most acrobatic interceptions i've seen for a really long time i know it came with like three minutes left in the game and a lot of people probably weren't watching at that point and that's completely okay uh jermaine johnson like you said had a sack he played very well carl lawson who is an x-factor for the jets this year played very well in his first game suiting up for the jets uh, I, I really thought the only rookie Garrett Wilson, when he was on the field, and I don't really want to get into that, but it pissed me off that Garrett Wilson wasn't on the field the entire game because every time he even came close to the ball, he made plays and he's extremely shifty. And I think he's going to be great for the jets down the stretch. The only rookie that really didn't play well was Brees Hall. And I think that we saw, I mean, yeah, first game, first game jitters. I know that his first run went for like minus three yards and he dropped a pass you know, he fumbled. He didn't really look that great. Michael Carter definitely outplayed him. I'm pretty sure Michael Carter had exactly 100 yards of offense today. I think he had uh, six catches, 100 yards, 60 rushing yards, 40 receiving. He far and away looked a lot better, even though he did drop a wide open touchdown pass. A lot of positives for the Jets, a lot of negatives. I think we're just going to have to ride the storm until Zach Wilson comes back and we're able to see this Jets offense with a mobile quarterback because really we know the offensive line isn't that great. Uh, and and it's going to take someone with some legs, not anchors for legs, to uh, really get the best out of this Jets offense. Yeah, and to your credit, I will say, now Joe Flacco so far this week is, he has the 24th highest passer rating uh, of any quarterback this week. But he finished ahead in passer rating of Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, and Joe Burrow. If somebody told you that before the week, it would have sounded great. It ended up not being that great. Uh, but I, I do think Michael Carter might be the person that the offense runs through until Wilson mm-hmm. comes back. How could he? How could it not? After how good he was today, especially yeah. compared to Brees Hall, who you know th- it's going to happen that rookie running backs are going to have issues. They're going to have fumbling issues. They're going to be inefficient. Uh, Brees Hall will will come along with time. That was pretty. Al- it was it was a pretty alarming performance, though. You know what? But listen, it, it, he's going to need time. James Cook listen, just he's fumbled. on the New York Jets. No, James James <laughs> Cook just fumbled. Uh, in week one for the Bills. I think next, you know, he was benched after that. Week one, uh, week two, I think he's going to play some more. Kareem Hunt had like two fumbles in his debut in 2017, although he did run for a lot of yards. Uh, I think they're they're going to give him some time to work it out. But for now, Michael Carter looks like the clear top running back. He looks like the guy the offense is going to have to run through until Wilson comes back. No, absolutely. Um, far and away, he was the most explosive player on the field, minus Garrett Wilson. I know Garrett Wilson only had three catches for 33 yards. And I know Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore was making plays on the field. He did have a touchdown called back after he like destroyed Kyle Fuller's shoulder or something. I don't know what happened there, but all I know is I looked away from the TV for a second. And then I saw Kyle Fuller on the ground and Elijah Moore with the ball in his hands in the end zone and then being pissed that he had the ball in his hands. Um, I'm just looking to see what Elijah Moore did. I know, I think he led the team 
in catches. The yards were pretty spread out. I was very surprised to see that Joe Flacco threw for as many yards as he did. But uh, Elijah Moore, five catches, 49 yards. Corey Davis, very quietly, six catches for 77 yards. I know he did drop a couple uh, passes. I'm not going to dive too much into it. I mean, the fact that it was as close of a game for as long as it was, to me, and this sounds so sad, is, is a jet victory. Really, I, and also they give up 24 points to one of the most electric players in the NFL. And not only that, I think Lamar Jackson was kind of slow to the starting line. He didn't rush as much. I think he only finished with 19 rushing yards, a very non-Lamar Jackson-esque uh, performance. But the Ravens came and balled out. I mean, their secondary is much improved, much improved. The fact that you have someone like Chuck Clark basically on rotation as your third safety really, really tells you something. Chuck Clark played a fantastic game today. Um, Marcus Williams, 12 tackles and an interception in his debut. I didn't hear much of Kyle Hamilton, but judging from what the Jets did on offense, I guess he had a pretty good game. Uh, Patrick Queen looked extremely fast today. It's just, it's just a great all-around effort from the Baltimore Ravens defense and a perfect way to start. And then they have um, – there's definitely an interesting matchup in week two. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're playing the Dolphins in week two. So that's going to be something uh, interesting to see. And I think that we should skip right over to that game right yes. after we mentioned the two most, I guess, non-noteworthy games were the Jets and the Ravens and then the Dolphins and the Patriots. 20 to 7, but it really felt like 40 to 7, if we're being honest. The Patriots offense really had nothing. I mean, this 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 game, we talk about the unpredictability of the games today. This game was very predictable, or at least I should say it, it kind of justified what everybody was saying leading into the season, which was that the Patriots offense is in trouble. They have first yeah. of all, we don't know we don't know who's running it. I guess it's Matt Patricia. I don't know. He's a, he used to be a defensive Matt coordinator. Patricia and Joe Judge. So not no, good. Yeah, but but you know, is who's calling the plays? Is it both of them? Is it one of them? Either way, uh, it's not successful right now. They don't have a clear number one wide receiver. Devontae Parker uh, had some miscues today. He was not that guy. Uh, the running game wasn't efficient. Uh, and Mac Jones, you know, Mac Jones is, is a fine quarterback, but he's not somebody who can carry an offense by himself. Uh, and now he's injured. He has a, a back injury. He, they don't know the exact severity of the injury. They said he doesn't have any fractures. Uh, good. But, they, <laughs> they, it, I mean, if he's hurt, I, I don't know what they do. I, first of all, who's the backup? Brian Hoyer? Uh, I mean, Brian Hoyer has been the backup. For, been for, I, I feel like he's been the backup quarterback for the Patriots for like 22 years. But with or with, with or without Mac Jones, uh, they have some problems right now, and their defense isn't good enough to carry the load like it did. Let's say time, at times last year, and even in 2020 when they went, I think what was it seven and nine with yeah. great defense. They don't have that. They don't have the secondary that can play like that. Uh, they don't have. They don't have Dante Hightower anymore or a linebacker compare, that can compare to what he did yeah. a couple of years, uh, you know, a few years ago. I, it's, it's not working. It's, it's not, not working anymore. No. Not a lot it's, of star talent on that roster. It, and there's not enough. Actually, it's just, you know, when you lose guys as impactful as, like you said, Dante Hightower and you lose J.C. Jackson and you don't replace them, that's the problem. And, you know, I mean, besides for the wide receiver position, Bill Belichick has been pretty, pretty smart in his entire career drafting. But, you know, these guys just – I mean, look at how loaded the AFC is. We're not even talking about the AFC East. And this is a team that I thoroughly believe that both weeks the Jets can go in and – and I don't want to say dominate, but I think that they could easily beat this team. I mean, they offer absolutely nothing 
on the offensive side. And I know that this is coming from a Jet fan that just saw his team, you know, score nine points against the Baltimore Ravens. But they just show absolutely nothing on the offensive side. Uh, I knew that this was going to be a problem as soon as they said that the offense was going to run through Mac Jones. And you said it best. Uh, that's not even me trying to be to, trying to, to slight him. It, it's just he is not a guy. He reminds me of a maybe a, a, a slightly better version of Jared Goff, where like like I've said before, you give him the talent, he'll perform. But if you take the talent away from him, it's going to be a little tough. It's going to be tough, tough waters ahead. And we definitely saw that. And then granted, I mean, the the Miami Dolphins defense is very underrated. I will say they have a lot of dogs on that on that on that roster you know you think of javon holland is fantastic second year safety adding melvin ingram a situational pass rusher who scored a defensive touchdown today uh, mac jones is also lucky that he didn't get absolutely molly whopped on that play that the that they went for the ball more than went for him because if he did not see i don't know was it melvin ingram that was coming off the edge or jalen phillips it was someone that was coming way unblocked off the edge and just absolutely destroyed him but regardless a lot of negatives for the New England Patriots and uh, a lot of positives for Miami. I mean, I, I don't even think their offense was fully clicking and you still had Tyreek Hill, eight catches, 94 yards. Jalen Waddle skirted away for uh, a long touchdown as well. Basically, exactly what the Miami Dolphins fans wanted to see from their team in week one, except for maybe only a 13-point win they, against the Patriots. They probably wanted to see about 20 or, or 27, and it very well could have been. I think Tua looked pretty good. Um I think he'll get better uh, as the season goes on, as the weeks go on. His rapport with Tyreek Hill will get better. There was a couple miscues on offense as well, but you know what are you going to do? I Cedric Wilson looked pretty good in his debut with him too, another X-factor. Uh, like I said, a, a nice high for the Miami Dolphins, and I feel like a real low for the New England Patriots because uh, where do you really go from here? You don't have You don't have explosive offensive weapons. You have decent offensive weapons. I mean – you know, uh, Jacoby Meyer is, is okay. Damien Harris and Ramondre Stevenson are okay. You know, you got John New Smith and Hunter Henry, Devontae Parker. But that doesn't – none of that really scares me, you know. And I think that's what the Patriots have been missing for a really long time is someone that just can go out there and, and scare someone. The Dolphins are exciting, though. I, I really yeah. – I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them – play the Ravens next week because that 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 game's can we flex that to Sunday night football it's gonna be really good uh, you're right super underrated defense a lot of young guys uh, this offense I think was a little bit uh, of the question coming into this year uh, and today they kind of answered the questions I'm a little disappointed with the run game I thought you know Mike McDaniel comes from the Shanahan system they run the ball relentlessly and no matter who's running it they're usually very efficient the running game was not efficient today uh, but the fact that they won without that and won pretty easily without that is really encouraging. Uh, you're right. Tua had ups and downs. Tua threw – I think he had a pass uh, over to Tyreek Hill that Tyreek had to basically save it from being an interception. I turned yeah. into a little bit of a highlight. Uh, but then he that pass to Jalen Waddle. It was like threaded through defenders, and then Jalen Waddle Waddell broke free for the touchdown. Great throw, great catch. Uh, if we could see more of that, this is a very dangerous team. I'm talking 11-12 win kind of team. Yeah, uh, And Tyreek Hill had eight receptions. He was targeted 12 times, 94 yards. There's no doubt he's going to be the number one guy there, even with the presence of Jalen Waddle. Uh, I think I think you have to take this as an encouraging first step if you're a Dolphins fan because you can't expect it to all come together in one day. But if Tua can look solid like this most days and he's clicking with Tyreek and clicking with Jalen Waddle, they're going to be a really good team. Absolutely. 
Uh, I, I definitely agree with you there. It was really, I mean, going into the season, it wasn't the defense. It wasn't the weapons. We were just really focusing on what Tua was going to do. And I mean, week one looks pretty good. Like you said, there's, there was some ups and downs, but if he could just find that consistency, we're really looking at a very, very dangerous team in a loaded AFC. Now, if you guys at home are keeping score, I know we didn't say it. Um, the first game of the week between the Buffalo Bills and the LA Rams, I mean, what can we really say? about that other than the the Buffalo Bills are exactly what they what we thought they were. The game could have been way further out of reach if it wasn't for two untimely Josh Allen interceptions. They looked absolutely dominant on the offensive side, on the defensive line side of the ball. I picked I did pick the LA Rams though. I thought that because of the lack of cornerback depth for the Buffalo Bills at the beginning of the season, I really thought that Matthew Stafford was going to go out there and really expose them. Uh that did not happen, but I did pick the LA Rams. Dan, who did you pick in that game? I picked the Bills. Uh, I think nah, I think they cool. answered the only the only two questions that I had about them, and that's is the offense still going to look as fluid as it did without Brian Dable? Answered yes, it very much does. Josh Allen is still the quarterback. Yes, uh, and then the corners were the other issue until Tre'Davious White comes back. Well. It didn't look like an issue. I mean, they've got plenty of depth there, and it, it almost makes it scary to think what it's going to look like when Tredavious White comes back. They're going to yeah. be about four corners deep who have proven something. Uh, so, you know, they answered the bell. I think the Rams, I, I think they're going to get it together, but they don't have the same offensive line as last year. And Matthew Stafford's turnover issues, and he had a lot of turnover issues toward the end of the regular season last year, mm-hmm. right. haven't gone away. That's a problem. He's going to have to play a little more conservatively if the offensive line isn't going to be as strong as it was last year. So. Right. And you think on Sean McVay, though, they'll figure it out. Yeah. And also, uh, we kind of saw a glimpse of what the offense is going to look like with Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. And don't get it twisted. I know one catch for 12 yards does not look good. But if you go back and look at the tape, many a times Allen Robinson was open and Matthew Stafford just wasn't looking his way. So. I think that once they get on the same page, I think the offense will look a little bit better. I know they're very thin past those two guys, so there might be an OBJ siding sooner rather than later. Who knows about that? He was there to receive his ring. But I started the week 0 for 1, of course, Dan, because he made the safe pick uh, when one <laughs> was 1-0. and And then, the of course, the safe pick, they're not the reigning champs. And then I started, and, and then I started 0-2. If we're going down the list of games that we talked about, because I did for some reason pick the New York Jets to beat the Baltimore Ravens, and uh, I'm assuming you picked the Baltimore Ravens because I did you know, pick the they, Ravens they uh, pick. and and I um, picked Miami. Uh, I did pick Miami. So at this point, Dan, of course, is three and zero, and I'm one and two. But uh, you know, just don't come to me for betting advice. That's all I want to <laughs> tell you guys. But um, moving down the list here, I guess we could talk about an, another surprising game. But the outcome wasn't surprising. But the the way that the game was played was surprising. And that's the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. And I almost had an I told you so moment with you, Dan. I almost had it. But the the Falcons had to do a Falcons thing and lose. But uh, if you guys recall last week, I did say don't be surprised if the Atlanta Falcons come out and try and punch the New Orleans Saints in the mouth. And that's really what they did. And Marcus Mariota looked pretty freaking good. I'm not going to lie. And here we go. Here we are. Last week we talked about, are we going to have that conversation if Marcus Mariota is the future of the Atlanta Falcons? We're obviously not going to have that conversation because he is not. But he did look pretty good. I'm not going to lie. He made some beautiful throws. And and I, I'm worried as a Kyle Pitts owner in fantasy because he looked like he wasn't even a thought in Marcus Mariota's head 
uh, it was Olami Sakitas and and Drake London basically all day on the offensive side of the ball. But you know the New Orleans Saints got their shit together in the second half, and uh, they came back. They scrapped and they and they clawed their way back. And Michael Thomas, who has been a stranger for a long time, I think he finished with five catches, fifty-seven yards, and two touchdowns. Would I be accurate in saying that's, that, that uh, off the top correct. of my head? I randomly have those those moments, like the Tyree Kill one a couple minutes ago, but. Uh, strong showing from him, and it looks like he has a decent rapport with, with Jameis Winston. And uh, Will Lutz being back healthy is nice, too. You don't often see a kicker going on a season-ending IR and having a job the next year, but that's exactly what Will Lutz came back and did, and he proved his worth. Uh, a win is a win, and Dennis Allen's uh, start as the head coach gets off to a nice start, a sweaty start, but a nice one uh, at that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the, the Saints – the Saints just got to take this and run. You can say, look, we uh, we have a quarterback who has never thrown to these receivers before because their top uh, three of their top four receivers today and really their top three overall going forward were Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, and Chris Olave. None of them played down. Last- did, did Michael Thomas play? At all? He didn't play at all last no, year. He didn't play at all last year. None of them played with the Saints last year. None of them played with Jameis Winston before. He, it seemed like Jameis came out a different quarterback in the second half once he got more comfortable with those receivers. And how about Jarvis Landry? 114 yards on seven catches. Mm-hmm. If he plays like the Jarvis Landry that played that first year in Cleveland or toward the end of his tenure with the Dolphins, this is going to be a really dangerous offense. Now, the funny thing is uh, Taysom Hill, you know, everybody's like, oh, Taysom Hill is Sean Payton's like golden child. Well, Sean Payton's gone and he's still making an impact. He had 81 rushing yards and a touchdown. So Taysom Hill is still involved, uh, but that kind of outlines how many weapons this offense has. Cause I didn't even mention Alvin Kamara who had a, he had a not, not a very impactful day. He only ran the ball nine times, 39 yards, but the fact that he's in this offense and they got this win without even him being much of a factor is very big um, on the Falcon side. Look, if these were the Falcons, if, the, if these Falcons had any expectations, we'd be laughing at them for another Falcons like collapse you kind of have to sit back and say, all right, well done. Like you almost beat the Saints. Uh, Marcus Mariota looked good. How about that running game? Mariota had 72 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Cordaro Patterson had 120 yards and a touchdown on the ground. That's why Kyle Pitts isn't getting thrown the ball. They're, they're running for 200 yards. If they can keep that going, get Kyle Pitts more involved, maybe Marcus Mariota develops a connection with him. Drake London looked really good today. I'm going to take – I might have to take back my prediction that they go 3-14. and 14. They can no, no, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, whoa. stop it, stop it, stop, I, I let you run for a little while there, Dan, I liked where you were going, I'm going to have to screech the record on that one, you know, a loss is a loss, Dan, and and I, I understand, you know, they don't have any expectations, we didn't think that they were going to be even this close, you got to say that this is disappointing from their aspect, you were up for a large percentage of that game. They are disappointed. They are yeah. disappointed, but from yeah. a from a, an objective perspective, you say, "All right, not bad." You know what what's going to happen when they play the Seahawks in two weeks? They'll be favored. They should be favored. Yeah. Well, they're in Seattle. I don't know, but they they could be favored. I mean, Mark, if Marcus Mariota plays decently, he's much better than Geno Smith. They can beat some of these teams along the way. No, they they definitely could. But I, I'm I'm saying if you have an opportunity to go, were they in New Orleans or were they in Atlanta? They were in Atlanta. Okay, well, you have you know you have the home crowd behind you. 
all that kind of stuff. You're up in typical Atlanta Falcons. I guess it doesn't matter who the head coach, doesn't matter who the, the quarterback is, doesn't matter who the peanut vendor in section 217 is. The Atlanta Falcons are going to Atlanta Falcon. And we saw it again today. Uh, I, as a subjective football fan, and not because I might have said last week that it was a possibility that they won. Don't worry. I didn't even pick them to win after I said all that crap about, oh, yeah, they might have a chance to win. I still picked the Saints. But you got to, you got to, I got to feel a little disappointed for them. Um, that's certainly a way that they could have started their season where it could have turned the ties. You know what? If they won that game, I could have got on board with saying, you know what? Maybe they will win five or six games instead of two or three or, or maybe four at most. Uh, I, I think that's, dis- that's very, very disappointing. Uh, that's, that's just me. That's just me always wanting to win. And that's not me. I'm not an Atlanta <laughs> Falcons fan by any means, but like if you're up that late, you should win a football game. I'm sorry. Unless you're going up against like Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you should be winning a football game. You can't tell me Jameis Winston can march you down the field and, and, and win you a football game on Will Lutz's leg. But regardless, right. I think it was a fine showing by both teams. I, I really do. And I think the, I think the Saints had a case of the the first half rusties, I guess you want to call it. Because yeah. think about it, Jameis Winston only played in how many games last year? Five. Yeah, five games seven. It ended up being seven, I think. Five and seven two games game. last year. Michael Thomas didn't play at all, like you said. Chris Olave was catching passes from C.J. Stroud. You know, you know, Jarvis Landry was on the Browns. So I certainly see what you're saying. Uh, and the fact that they could turn it on a dime like that and play as well as they did in the second half. Uh, they were basically carried by Taysom Hill in the first half. That kept them in the game. And then the second half, they looked much, much better, more like a cohesive unit. So uh, I do think that this is a playoff team. I think that they are a wild card team at best, but I do think that they sneak in there. And, and uh, they did show some grits and some guts by coming back and, and beating this very lowly Atlanta Falcons team. But I did pick the Saints. I know for a fact, of course, uh, you know, safe Dan picked the uh, the, the New Orleans Saints, of course. The right? lock of the week was not a lock, though. Yeah, it, 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 really, the it really wasn't. It did not. But, so that was unfortunate. But I feel a little justified by the fact that they came back and won. Yeah. So as it stands, uh, Dan is four and zero on the week, and I am two and two through the games that we talked about. And I know for a fact. The next game that we talk about, we both lost. I knew you were going to go to this one. I can predict your order here. I knew it. Yeah, I know, because I'm looking at the pick'em. I know you're probably looking at it, no, too. I'm not on, no, I'm not on the pick'em. The perfect oh. transition was that, listen, uh, I'll just say it because you haven't said it yet. The Colts and Texans game mirrored this game, except for the fact that the Colts didn't get that one point and pull ahead. It was almost the exact same kind of comeback. They just couldn't. They couldn't finish it off. Even in overtime, they couldn't finish it off. The transition had to be made because we were talking about the Atlanta Falcons. And then, of course, Matt Ryan's first game in Indianapolis goes just about as you could expect it to go. I mean, a tie in week one sounds like the most Matt Ryan-esque performance ever. And I, I really can't even blame him because he didn't really look that bad at all. I, I just feel like they had a case of of my team, my team syndrome. We just couldn't punch the ball across the line. It was just, I I kept looking, you know, I'll be honest with you. I didn't really get to watch too much of this game. I don't watch red zone because there's just too much going on uh, all the time. And when I watch football, I want to watch a game. And it usually is the jet game that I'm watching. 
So I'm usually watching every other game because the Jets are getting blown out by that point. But but um, I didn't really see too much of it. All I know is that they they came back, and I'm looking at it, and it's 20 to 20. And then there's another game going to overtime that's 20 to 20. And I'm just like, well, one of these has to end in a tie. I'm like, it just has to. And I'm actually surprised that both of them didn't end in a tie. But I guess if we're talking about one, uh, if we're talking about both, we'll start with one, then talk about the other. But like, like you said, I mean, just I texted you. I don't remember when it was. What was it? Like three o'clock. I texted you and I'm like, Falcons question mark, Texans question mark. Uh, what, what else did I say? There was another Bears, one. I think the Bears. the Bears question mark. I'm like, what is going on? I the Texans came out and and played some really really solid football against a team that basically dominated them last year in head to head matchups. Uh, I, Davis Mills looked great. Davis he looked Mills, great early on. I, yeah, well, I kinda, I, well, we'll count that. The quarterbacks kind of flipped as the game went on. Matt Ryan didn't play that well in the beginning. They had, I think they had some offensive line issues too. Uh, they they kind of fixed themselves. I mean, obviously they did. They scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from what I saw, Matt Ryan looked a lot better. Uh, but Davis Mills, you, I mean, the, the overall line looks good. You kind of got to be disappointed because he was so much better in the first half than the second half in overtime. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what the deal with that was. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a strange game. You know, 20 to 3, listen, even though we all picked the Colts over the Texans, I didn't think they were making up a 20 to 3 deficit in a quarter. And they actually yeah. did it with like three or maybe two or three minutes left in the fourth. And so the fact that the the rest of the game, they couldn't run Jonathan Taylor down their throat and even manage a field goal was kind of shocking. But you, you've, you've got to feel better if you're the Texans than if you're the Colts, even though it was very disappointing with the way it ended. I mean, great, great performances all the way around for Indianapolis. I know you can't say comeback complete because, I mean, well, I mean, it was complete, but it wasn't in a completed game, I guess. I, by the way, I mean, this could be a conversation for another day, but why do NFL games end in a tie? <laughs> why can't we just play until someone wins? I never understood that. Some but, games deserve it. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, you look at this right here, and I'm looking at Jonathan Taylor, 31 carries, 161 yards, and his long rush was only 17. So he was thoroughly steady throughout the entire game. You didn't have to worry about that. Uh, Pittman already shows that he has a fantastic rapport with Matt Ryan, nine catches, 121 yards, and that game-tying touchdown as well. Matt Ryan, 352 yards through the air on 50 attempts. Um, You know, I guess you can call it a win for Indianapolis. If you look look at the schedule and you see a tie in week one, you're like, well, that sucks. But being down 23, like you said, in the fourth quarter – coming back with 17 points, coming away with a tie that isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. Uh, it, it's it's a blemish on the record. It looks weird, but uh, it's not a loss. And I guess that that's, that's the most important thing. But I think more praise has to go to the Houston Texans than anything because did we really expect this to be anywhere of a close game or even see the Texans have a 17-point lead? And you know what? Now that I'm saying this, I've just realized that the flip the script has flipped from the game that we were just talking about to now, how I was giving Atlanta no credit, and now I'm giving the Texans all the credit in the world. But they did lose, and the Texans did not. So I am justified in saying that. But I just I, – I don't, I don't know. This, this game was just fucking weird, man. Well, I, you I you got to give them credit, though, for the stat that you said, that Jonathan Taylor didn't have a run over 17 yards. Like, okay, they let him – they let him beat them a little bit. 
But they never let attempts is a lot though. So. But they never let him go off. He was efficient though, over five yards of carry. Yeah, but they never let him yeah. go off on a crazy run. I don't know if you remember last year when the Colts played the Patriots uh, late mm-hmm. in the regular season. Uh, I think the the Colts were trying to. I think they needed a couple first downs to end the game. You know, to ice the clock. And they Jonathan Taylor just took it himself and ran it half the field in for a touchdown. The Texans never let him get off on a crazy run and beat them like that. So give him give him that kind of credit. Uh, but they were they were if I remember this correctly they were in Colts territory they were at the Colts forty nine so not really field goal range but if you got a few more yards or the first down uh, you could have ended up in field goal range and they punted so that with the about thirty seconds left the Texans chose to punt and in that in that scenario you're playing for a tie you can't win barring yeah. you know a miracle you're you're playing for the tie I don't know I don't know if I would have punted in that scenario especially right. because it's not it's not like you'd be handing the Colts a win with 20 seconds left, if they got the ball back at midfield, like it's not like you're guaranteed to lose. I probably would have played for the win in that case. So I'm a little, then maybe that's why I'm a little disappointed in, in Lovey Smith who probably shouldn't even be their coach. Uh, (laughs) But listen, like it's, I guess it is the same deal as the Falcons. All things considered, you take it, you know, you look at the score, you look at the box score, see how Davis Mills played. You see 2020 up there, just take it. The Texans were supposed to lose. They, they tied good enough. Yeah. And I mean, there's things, there are certain, certainly positives to look at, at this. I'm looking at the box score right now, and something that jumps off the page of me that doesn't really jump off as much as you'd expect or you don't think matters as much is not only did Davis Mills hit nine different receivers for at least one catch, he targeted 11 different guys. So, you that, that see, I saw the eyebrow raise there, Dan. I, could, that, I that, couldn't even tell you 11 guys that he could target on that roster. Targeted, <laughs> I mean, most of them I've never heard. I have to, actually, that's not true. So, you got how about, Brandon. How about OJ Howard? OJ Howard looked great two weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at so really, there's only one name on this. I don't know. It's there's Brandon Cooks, OJ Howard, uh, Chris Moore, Rex Burkhead, Nico Collins, Farrell Brown, Damian Pierce, T. Hairston. I don't know who that is, Brevin Jordan. Chris Conley and Philip Dorsett. So, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of guys on that list that are, are if you're even the like a casual football fan, you know at least six or seven of those guys. So, those are things to look for. Maybe this offense is going to be a little bit better than we expected. On the ground, it wasn't anything special. Burkhead, fourteen for forty. Damian Pierce, much anticipated debut, eleven for thirty-three. It's a little bit of a tough. Um, a little bit of a, of a tough defensive line. Uh, you know, you, you think you have DeForest Bunkner in there, Gro- uh, Grover Stewart as well, clogging up those lanes on the inside. So it's not going to be easy, but uh, it's certain positives to take from, from the Houston Texans. And you got to figure that you're a little disappointed for Indianapolis Colts. A lot of expectations this, this season coming in, you tie against one of the worst teams in the league. So not really the greatest there. But, I mean, if we're talking about, Overtime 2020 games, you, we got to go straight over to the Steelers and the Bengals, which was probably the wildest game and all aspects of the week, at least in my opinion. I mean, it had everything. It had injuries. It had 96 interceptions. It had doinks off the off the freaking um, uprights. I mean, it had like 14 missed field goals, a blocked extra point that would have won the Bengals, the game, it, it really it had, had a, it, it had a non-touchdown that if the Bengals had reviewed it probably would have given them the win. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. It had everything. Yeah, it was, I mean, and it's week one too, which is the craziest thing that is by the way. Uh, uh, and not that it matters because the game ended in a tie, but I picked the Indianapolis Colts and I'm pretty sure you did as well. Right. 
Yes. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nobody oh. should have picked the Texans. I don't care. Yeah. Even though they tied, nobody safe, should have picked the Safe Dan again. There we go. But yeah, I mean, a horrific performance by Joe Burrow in the first half. There's no way. There's no other way to describe it. I mean, four turnovers in the first half, a really, really bad pick six, uh, you know, a fumble. TJ Watt was just wreaking absolute havoc all over that that Cincinnati Bengals team. And it's unfortunate because that's probably the only action that he's going to have this entire year. Pretty, It looks like his season is pretty much over with that torn pectoral muscle. So a huge blow to not only the Pittsburgh Steelers, but to football itself. I mean, a lot of people predicted that TJ Watt was going to break the sack record this year. And he certainly looked like he was up for the task. I mean, after that first game, he was relentless. He was everywhere. He had a crazy interception, um, you know, tackles for loss, sacks. The first game was incredible. It's upsetting to see that he's going to miss the rest of the season. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we don't need to break down for you, for everybody, what what happened in this game, because I know everybody probably saw the, the chaos of the fourth quarter and, and of overtime. But what I will say is, if you're a Steelers fan, I, I they're not going to want to hear this, but you can't come out of this game feeling good. I mean, yeah. you, you, you take the win, and remember, they got a win over the Bills last year in week one. Didn't mean a whole lot, although I guess it was the difference between the playoffs and missing the playoffs. Uh, but... You can't come out of this one feeling that great. You intercepted Joe Burrow four times, and you still needed a miracle and a half to pull out the win. You know, it's not like uh, Mitchell Trubisky came out and like looked like a, a huge upgrade over Ben Roethlisberger. I'd give them a bone here. He he didn't look that great. I mean, he he looked serviceable, but yeah. serviceable is not good enough in the AFC. He didn't come out and set the world on fire. Uh, of course, Joe Burrow didn't either, and you got to give some credit to the Steelers' defense for that. Uh, but late in the game, the Bengals were the better team. They were the victims of a few weird sequences of events, especially that uh, that Jamar Chase touchdown. Not the one that he not the one that he eventually scored, but the one he he basically scored on the drive prior. Where upon replay review, it looks like the ball was over and he got in, and the Bengals never reviewed it. It probably would have put them in front, assuming there was no block extra point that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, a game that the Steelers probably shouldn't have won. And yes, you know, you could say, look, our defense is going to dominate all year. We're just going to win games like that. Well, not now because T.J. Watt is out there. And if T.J. Watt's not there, it's it's a much different defense. He's a, he's as big of a difference maker as any defensive player in the NFL not named Aaron Donald. No, you're absolutely right. And not only that, even to flip it on the offensive side of the ball, the offense was looking, like you said, very serviceable up until the point where Najee Harris left the game with the injury. Then, I mean, they had Chase Claypool in the backfield running. <laughs> They did. He had like six yeah, yeah, carries. Six carries, I know. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not how that's. A, he isn't. First off, he's not Debo Samuel. That's it's. You can't transition like that. But not only that, you forced the game to be won or lost in Mitchell Trubisky's hands, and we definitely saw a little bit of a difference. I mean, I watched the fourth quarter and 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 overtime, and there was only one pass that he made that I was like, "Wow, that was actually a good throw." Not a freaking check down to Pat Fryermuth. And that was that ridiculous catch that Deontay Johnson made on the sideline that they had to review. That catch was yeah. freaking insane. One of the best catches I've ever seen. The refs um, didn't believe it. Yeah. I mean, they, I, it was, they immediately ruled him out of bounds. It was it was an incredible catch, but uh you're absolutely right. Even though that you come away from this game with a W on your record, it kind of feels like a loss. I mean, like you said, they barely eked it out. It took a blocked extra 
extra point, a field goal miss. You missed a field goal, and then you know you eventually hitting one. But you you lose. They at least lost Najee Harris for two to three weeks after this. Uh, not good because it said that this this injury could also affect him for the rest of the season, which is not great. And then he lost, as of right now, because he won Defensive Player of the Year, the best defensive player in football for the entire year. Um, not great. Not great for my fantasy team either. Uh, T. Higgins, uh, Najee Harris. I mean, I'm just getting peppered left and right with injuries. Same thing, Elijah Mitchell for me too. I, everyone that was injured today, Dan, was on my fantasy team. I swear to God. Everyone. And then before the game even started, George Kittle was ruled out. I was like, what is going on here? But anyway, getting back to it, you can't feel good as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. You can't feel good as a Cincinnati Bengals fan either because I know that this this Steelers team is good to a certain degree. But, I mean, didn't Joe Burrow dominate this team like pretty easily the last time they played each other? Or was it the time before that? He did. Yeah. I I think twice last year they beat him pretty good. So I, I guess, and the only excuse that may be viable here is that there's a Super Bowl hangover. Maybe, maybe. But he didn't really look like he was going through his progressions that great. So he, he <laughs> I don't know. better in the second half than the first, though. So you, yeah. at least, at least you, can, you can take a Jameis Winston angle and say, look, you know, he needed to get his feet under him a little bit. He's good now. Next week he'll be fine. I guess that's what you could say from there, but like like you said, really. Well, that, the, I mean, that's the, what they can say. I don't know if I'd say it, but I, yeah. I do think he'll. I do think Joe Burrow looked a lot better as the game went on, and that's encouraging. Another guy that's on my fantasy team, though. <laughs> oh no, well, he's going to hurt next week. Five turn, at five turnovers, um, but regardless, this is not about the fantasy crumble that is my team. Um, what is his name? Oh, uh, I have two two names. Uh, one of them is Deshaun Watson Spa Center. <laughs> And the other one is uh, uh, chucking bombs and fucking moms, and that's in 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 solidarity with Zach Wilson, even though he's not playing, and he's not on either of my rosters. But neither is Deshaun Watson. But um, anyway, I digress. So, like like we said, you you can't really either team can't really go away from this feeling that great. I did pick the Bengals. Who did you pick? I also picked the Bengals. I actually thought about this one though, and I I, I mentioned it on the on the episode last week too. You could see a scenario where the Steelers go in and the Bengals aren't up to speed yet, and the Steelers' defense plays like it did last year against the Bills. Uh, but in the end, I thought the Bengals' offense was just too good, and I, I still think in the end the Bengals' offense was too good. It just there was a series of unfortunate events that occurred. So we'll, we'll move on from that. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to the next game, I want to talk about probably probably is the most surprising outcome of the week. And I mean, we talked about this and we said, of course, when we say that there's absolutely no chance, you know, we were forgetting that this is a a guy that is relatively new to the offensive system. We're talking about the bears and the 49ers, the bears coming away with a massive win scoring 19 consecutive points. Probably one of the hardest photos I've ever seen in football history is that picture of Justin Fields celebrating in the rain. That is pretty awesome. That slide on his chest was freaking cool too. But you know, as much as I love the shit on the bears and believe me, I love the shit on the bears because bears fans are, are notoriously snippy with jet fans on Twitter. And I really couldn't even tell you why, but notoriously snippy on Twitter with, with, with the likes of me. But I, I mean, this, this was so fun to watch, especially like, because I think, 
I think for a period of time, even the Bears players were like, how are we even winning this game? Like, it, they just, they didn't look great on offense for the majority of the game. Then, you know, once Justin Fields hits Dante Pettis for that 51-yard touchdown, you're like, okay, got something. And then, you know, hits Equimenia St. Brown. Oh, I'm so glad I nailed that name. I always had I always had a tough time saying that name. Um, he nails St. Brown for a touchdown as well. I think both... Both Sam Brown brothers caught a touchdown. That's the first time in uh, a long time. I think two brothers caught a touchdown on the same week. I know Amon Ross St. Brown scored a touchdown as well. What what a what a family, by the way. I, like Equiminius and Amon Ross St. Brown. Like the Are there other brothers? Name. I'd love I'd love to know who else what other kids they have. I know it's there's probably something very, very long. But I I want to take this time. To I'm not apologizing to Bears fans, but I'm going to say I'm very happy for you. I think that I don't think it was deserved. It's a very backhanded compliment here. I don't think it was deserved, but I had fun watching the game and I had fun watching the celebrations after. And you got to feel that Jimmy Garoppolo is cracking his knuckles on the sideline over there going, I could have scored more than 10 points against the, the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I mean... The rain had something to do with it, and it wasn't just okay. James Lofton. They, they were playing in a puddle. <laughs> no, like they were playing in a puddle. It was they need to move out of Soldier Field as soon as they can, or at least upgrade the grass because that was that was rough. Um, but no, I mean you you have to be you have to be a little worried. I think if you're a 49ers fan, you see Trey Lance. I know I, like, the rain is the rain is one thing, but Trey Lance just. Aside from a couple throws in the first half, he didn't really have it today. He His mobility was fine. He moved around a little bit, which he had to do because they couldn't throw the ball as much. But he he didn't look like somebody who is in full command of that offense yet. And that's that's going to be an issue unless you can figure it out soon, especially if you're losing the teams that you clearly should beat. Um, good for the Bears. You know, Bears fans don't like me either. I, I ranked them last. Them. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ranked them last, uh, but, you know, it's fine. Justin Fields completed eight passes. Like, I'm not going to be – I know they're going out there and pretending like, yeah, the game of his life. He, he wasn't that great. But you can't really blame him either because they were playing in a puddle. Uh, but yeah. the Bears did what they need to do. They played smart football. Would this win have happened under Matt Nagy? Maybe not. Maybe Matt Matt Eberflus went in there and shook things up and got their minds right. Eddie Jackson, who had a, a rough year last year, had a great interception of Trey Lance. You know, Dante Pettis, who's done nothing with at various stops along the NFL – had that great reception for 51 yards against his former team. You know, I don't think I don't think the Bears are any kind of contender. You know, call me crazy, but if if they can if they can pull out this win, I think there's a few more they can pull out too. If they can if they can if they had the the football IQ to patch this together with what they had in the rain, I think their chances of making some progress this year look pretty solid. Yeah, I, I think that. I just hate giving them compliments. I really do, but That's I think the, <laughs> I, I think the Bears did up, like you said, if they had the football IQ to put this win together. I think that they really took advantage of the San Francisco 49ers because you know the 49ers don't play on a terrible field like that. Uh, they don't play in those conditions quite often. So you know the the Bears are a team that's basically pride themselves off of snapping frozen fingers off their hands in you know minus forty five degree weather and. They know how to play in, in those kind of situations. Um, but I thought it was nice to see, you know, them come out. And and it really feels like a ragtag squad of just like, 
NFL roster cast offs. I mean, like the two touchdowns were scored by, you know, Equimania St. Brown, Dante Pettis. Like you said, he's been on, on like 10 different teams in like five years. Uh, I don't even know. Has St. Brown made another stop from green Bay to Chicago regardless? I mean, he was a cast off on green Bay as well. They just have a bunch of like castaway players that, yeah, it's nice to see them win every once in a while because you know, it's not their fault that they, that the front office has put together a terrible roster, but like you said, watching Justin Fields uh, complete eight passes, it's great. I mean, like you said, a win is a win at the end of the day. And uh, will this change the outcome of what their season will become? Probably not. But it's definitely a nice way to start the year, and it's a nice confident bo- confidence booster for someone like Justin Fields who did not have the greatest rookie year. And like I said, you got to figure that you got to figure that you give Trey Lance a pass for this because it was unsightly conditions. Next week, if he goes out there and he does not play well again, you have to figure week three, you're seeing Jimmy Garoppolo under center or at least a very short leash on Trey Lance. I don't know if you're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo under center, but you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear people call for it, especially not only 49ers fans, but just NFL fans in general. Uh, but I, I think Kyle Shanahan has made so many comments about how it's Trey's team that they're going to give him more of a leash, uh, at least a few weeks. I, I don't uh, know, man. This is a this is a they, team with you cannot, Super Bowl you aspirations. Cannot say, like, you cannot say we were going to release Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, this is Trey Lance's team, and then hand the keys to Jimmy in week three. I, I don't think I don't think it can happen that quickly. But especially can't happen that quickly. But I think that if he doesn't play well next week and then he gets off to a crappy start in week three, I'm not saying that he's going to start, but you're going to see Trey Lance on a shorter leash because say the San Francisco 49ers start off 0-2 and and then they're down 10-17-0 in week three. You got to pull the plug at some point. You can't go down 0-3 at the beginning of the season when you have Super Bowl aspirations. You know, I mean, I think you could agree with that as well. You got to get someone in there with a more level head, and there's no one more handsome in the NFL than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, it, God, <laughs> if that team's zero three, I I don't think Jimmy's saving them. I I just I don't think it's in the cards to go to a Super Bowl if if you're zero three at that point. Well, that's what I'm saying. You have to. I don't. I don't want to say pull Jimmy the plug maybe the wrong way, but you got to get someone in there at some point. I mean. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a great NFL quarterback, but my God, he wins. He has like the highest win percentage in NFL history through like the first, I don't know how many games it was, but I remember hearing that on Sirius XM like a couple weeks ago. Like you have to consider it at some point. The guy's not great. He just knows how to win though. So I'm just saying that it's got to start creeping into your mind eventually. You know, Kyle Shanahan could say all these things, but would he be saying the same thing if it was if they were 0 12? Uh, this is Trey Lance's team. Like, it, I'll give you that. If they're 0 12, <laughs> I bet they make a switch. <laughs> no. Yeah, I would really hope so at some point. Trey Lance has like five touchdowns and 34 interceptions. <laughs> if this is Trey Lance's team, he's got to work through these bugs. I'll be right but, there with you if that happens. But yeah, so I obviously picked the 49ers. I'm pretty sure you picked the 49ers too. I did too, and I would again. In that game, ah, fucking safe Dan picking the 49ers again. No, just um, let's see. I actually lost the slate that was in I'll front of me. I was looking at. I was. I'll what's up? One. Yeah, you go ahead. Quarterbacks who know how to win. Carson mm-hmm. Wentz. How oh, about God. Carson Wentz? Four touchdowns and a comeback. Yeah, well, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz that game. He did. He he disappeared yeah. for two quarters, but he showed up during the really important one. Yeah, I I thought that was actually. 
probably besides for the Bengals and the Steelers. I thought that was the most entertaining game of the of of the day, really. It was very good, and the the Jaguars had so many opportunities too. It it seemed like throughout the first half they were they were close to the goal line, just repeatedly, and sometimes they got it done. Actually, they didn't. They didn't have a touchdown in the first half. Uh, Most of the time, they didn't get it done. They ended up with one field goal in the first half. They looked like a team that was very close. They're close to becoming a real solid team, but they just don't know how to finish these drives yet. And part of it is Trevor Lawrence's fault. He had a really bad overthrow of a wide-open Travis Etienne in the, in the end yeah. zone. You know, those things I think are going to figure out as the year goes on. You can't blame it on not being familiar with Etienne. He, they played together in college. Uh, but I think he's going to – I think everybody's going to become more accustomed to the offense under Doug Peterson as the year goes on. But the Jaguars took a lead. They, had, they led for a lot of the second half. Uh, and then all of a sudden, here come the commanders. They made it 22-20. They couldn't get the two-point conversion. They made it 22-20 in the middle of the fourth quarter. And with about two minutes left, Jahan Dotson had a great touchdown catch. It was the second yeah. of the day uh, to get put the commanders in front. And the Jaguars just didn't have the offense uh, to, to pull ahead after that. But I think there's encouraging signs for both teams. I'm, I think, yeah, the commanders – listen, you look at the, the middle two quarters – it's rough. You, you you start thinking they're they're a, a bottom feeder in this league if you watch the middle two quarters. Yeah. The first and the fourth quarter, Carson Wentz looked great in the offense. Jahan Dotson looked like he's going to become special. Uh, and Curtis Samuel was heavily involved in the offense. Yes, that, which, that is nice, which is nice. He battled injuries last year. I don't did he even play that much. He wasn't he wasn't really a factor last year. No. If he can become a major part of this offense along with McLaurin, along with Jahan Dotson, you know, Carson Wentz, maybe maybe not just a one year guy in Washington. They, they he may be somebody they want to stick with. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to pull more of the positive aspect from both teams. I am not someone that sits here and pulls positives for the Jacksonville Jaguars, especially. I'm more in the boat with um, Chicago Bears and Jacksonville Jaguars together. I just think it's a it's a thing when you're a fan of a bottom feeder team in the NFL. I think you just hate the other bottom feeder teams, um, but. I like what the Jacksonville Jaguars brought today. And you can see what a good coach does, not only for someone like a young, talented quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, just the team in general. I mean, the first person I want to mention before anything is Trayvon Walker. Now, Trayvon Walker had a heck of a debut today. Four tackles, a sack, an interception, a tackle for loss. He played up to number one overall potential today. He definitely did. Then you look at some of the other guys, James Robinson, who, I mean, had a thousand yard season and then watched the Jacksonville Jaguars take Travis Etienne in the first round. And he didn't let that, you know, affect him at all. I was rotting away on my bench. He had 11 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown and then added a receiving touchdown as well. 12 touches, 69 yards, two touchdowns. Great day for him as well. Christian Kirk looked great as the number one in an offense, six catches, 117 yards. There's a lot of positives here. Even, I mean, I know Travis Etienne, 27 yards out of his 47 rushing yards came on one rush. But then, I mean, if you add to that, then the other three rushes went for 20 yards. So he looked pretty explosive when he he got the ball. I think they're going to ease him into the offense for the most part. I mean, he only had what? He only had six touches, but he had uh, 60, 65 yards off of those off of those touches. So definitely something to look forward to there. Then on the commander side of the ball, I mean, you already hit it on the head with Jahan Dotson. That was a point that I was going to make. I was going to say that he looks like a star in the making. I think Terry McLaurin and um, 
Jahan Dotson are going to be a really, really nice one too. And then you could sprinkle in Curtis Samuel in there. He had 12 touches as well. He rushed the ball for four times as well, which is something nice to see. He had 11 targets, which led the team as well. So um, we always have those random wide receivers that always have a random rapport with uh, Carson Wentz. I mean, you think a couple years ago, his last year in Philadelphia, it was Travis Fulgham who like came out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, he always has like a, just a random rapport with like one, like it was like Ashton Doolin last year in Indianapolis, like just a random receiver. So I would like to think that Curtis Samuel is not as random as those guys, but yeah. like, you know, you look at the talent that he has around and he, Curtis Samuel leads the team in targets. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was a good win. Like I said, he kind of collapsed. He almost Carson wins the game, but you no know, 313 yards, four touchdowns. That's a nice first week. And uh, the Washington Commanders got their first win as the Commanders, and that's really the bottom line. But I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars have anything to shake their heads on. I think that they played a fine game of football, especially for being the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, there's something to build off of for both of these teams. If you're, you're definitely happier as the winner. The Commanders are happier than the Jaguars today. But if you go 3-14, and 14, you can't expect to win every game. So, you know, the Jaguars will take what they can get. I think there's something both of these teams can improve off of. I also picked the Jacksonville Jaguars to win. I don't know. Yeah, I, I did too. I, I really thought, and they started proving me right, but you know, I guess I underestimated Carson Wentz. So my bad. That's okay. I mean, that it's fully justified <laughs> underestimating Carson Wentz, but um, moving on, I think this is the last one o'clock game that we have to talk about. I actually turned into a, a, a way better game than I thought it was. And that's the Philadelphia Eagles and the Detroit lions. And um, yeah, this was you know, not a repeat of last year where I'm pretty sure the no, Eagles beat the 44 to 6. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it actually turned out a lot like I expected, maybe a little more offense. But I think I mentioned last week, I, I, I first of all, very high on the Lions this year. Uh, you know, not saying they're a playoff team or anything, and I still don't think they are. Uh, but I thought this is a game they could keep close, especially against Jalen Hurts, uh, a lot closer than last year. And, you know, they, they were down most of the game, maybe. Oh, well, almost most, almost all of the game. They they went up seven nothing in the first quarter, uh, but after that, the defense, like we all thought, was not good enough. The offense was what disappointed me early on, but the offense really started to turn it up as the game went on. I think it's a case of like we talked about earlier. Not everybody played in the preseason. You got to get guys going again. Got to have them gain some familiarity with each other. That's what the Lions' offense did today. It really did kind of gain momentum as the game went on. The defense is still a problem. Um, it was expected to be a problem. It's it's they haven't added to it as much as the offense, uh, so it's going to take some time. And these are games they're probably not going to be able to win. The Eagles are a great team. I think Jalen Hurst showed a lot today, uh, but I think if you're the Lions, you can say, "Look, we badly wanted to win that game. There's a lot of work to do." But the fact that they showed that classic Dan Campbell fight and didn't give up after they gave up 24 points in the second quarter is a good sign moving forward. Yeah, I mean, there's. There's some scary aspects of this Philadelphia Eagles offense. I mean, you look at it, they didn't, Jalen Hurts didn't pass for any touchdowns, but four different guys had rushing touchdowns. I mean, Miles Sanders, 96 yards in a touchdown, first time since 2020, he scored a rushing touchdown. Jalen Hurts, of course, had one. Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott even had one as well. So he actually performed against a team not named the Giants, which is pretty surprising. <laughs> He's but, just warming up for them. Yeah, exactly. He's going to score four touchdowns against the Giants. But and, and one thing that stands out to me, it is it is a scary difference in targets, receptions, and yards between number one and number two. So you got A.J. Brown, 10 catches, 155 yards, 13 targets. Then you look at the leading receiver for the 
Philadelphia Eagles last year, Devonta Smith, zero catches, zero yards, four targets. Now, I don't know if that's just A.J. Brown being as dominant as he is, but I, that is a, a huge disparagement in, in targets and obviously receptions. He didn't have a single catch. But even if you look at the next highest receiver, you got Dallas got three catches, 60 yards, and 27 of those came on one catch. So A.J. Brown, whether they like it or not, is, first off, he's a beast. Uh, I don't know if you saw if you got a chance to watch any of that game. If you didn't know that A.J. Brown was a beast, now you definitely know. He just completely took over. I'm pretty sure he didn't have a catch until like the second quarter, but he just completely took over after that. He was absolutely dominant, just completely torching that secondary of the Lions throughout the entire game. But I think that that is a heck of a combination. I think it's they're going to have a great rapport. It's only going to get better as the season goes on. And I think that A.J. Brown is going to make Jalen Hurts look like a franchise quarterback because, I mean, his numbers weren't particularly inspiring today. 18 of 32, 243, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He also did start like 0 of 6, I'm pretty sure, as well. So, um, you know, the Lions had some positives. Like you said, they came back. They showed fight. Um you know, DJ Chark got in on the action as well. He made the game really, really close. DeAndre Swift had an absolutely fantastic game as well. I'm pretty sure he has, what, uh, 175 yards total. I, I mean, Including great. a 50-yard touchdown run right at, right at the beginning. It was the yeah. first touchdown of the day. Yeah. I mean, he was he was fantastic as well. So a lot of positives to take. I mean, if you if you want a, a broad horizon, per, like, overview of this game, The last time the Lions played them, they gave up 44 points, not 38, and they only scored six, and this time they scored 35. So in my book, that's a massive improvement on both ends. So Philadelphia goes away with the win. I picked Philadelphia. I don't know. Did you pick Philadelphia? Yes, I did. And um, I think this this kind of reminds me of the the Dolphins because the Dolphins were a team where they loaded up. Their roster looks fantastic. But you're un- you're just unsure a little bit because of the quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. And today, I think Jalen Hurts did enough. I think he he did a lot on the ground too. He was not, um, you know, he he wasn't a different quarterback all of a sudden than he was last year. Uh, but he did enough. He didn't look incompetent, which he did at times last year. So yeah, cr- credit to them. I think they've got a lot to build off of, and they have a very exciting game next week against the Vikings. So yes, that'll be good. that's something definitely to look forward to. I did miss. We did miss one one yes. o'clock game. And that is the Cleveland Browns and the Carolina Panthers, something that we were both very much looking forward to. Um, And it definitely lived up to expectations. At first, it did not. But then as this game got into the end of the third, into the fourth quarter, definitely picked up. A couple things. uh, Nick Chubb looked like Nick Chubb, of course. You know, 22 22 carries, 141 yards. The run game for Cleveland didn't look – did looked great. Um, You know, Kareem Hunt kicking the – freaking Panthers while they're down, you know, kicking, kicking, <laughs> kicking them while they're down. Everybody hear that? Uh, Everybody I just that? really wanted, I just really wanted to get that one through there. I always make a Kareem Hunt kicking uh, joke on anything. Uh, 46 yards on the ground. And he also added 24 through the air and had a touchdown in both aspects. So it, it's safe to say that uh, I don't think he'll be asking for a trade again. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he looked like as much of a part of that offense as he did the last couple of years as it is. So. The running backs are always going to be great. I was worried about what Jacoby Brissett was going to do. He definitely did enough. Amari Cooper was really a non-factor in this game. Three catches, 17 yards, six targets. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones 
has kind of emerged, it seems like for some reason, as the number one in this offense, which that is something that uh, I did not account for at the beginning of this year. But he's always been solid. But now it looks like he's kind of taking the next step. He has to step up as that really that number two, because behind from Amari Cooper, there's really no one else. So um, an unexpected win, I would say. Uh, we both thought, I'm pretty sure we both had Carolina, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And I mean, Baker didn't play bad. I, I wasn't, I wasn't disappointed in the way that Baker played. I don't think it was his best performance, but uh, his arm certainly looked like it was back to full strength on that 75 yard touchdown to Robbie Anderson. So that's, that's, definitely that's very, important, there. very important. He, he struggled a little bit early on, but you know, it seemed to be the theme of the day in week one. Most guys picked it up as the day went on and, and he, he did, he got better as the day went on. Um, the Browns, all they got to do is stay afloat until Deshaun Watson comes back six and five. Maybe if you can go six and five, five and six keeps you in it. Six and five puts you in really good position. Yeah. Uh, well now they got, they got a big one under their, under their, their foot. I mean, this was a game that I, I think if I remember correctly, uh, the line was like one and the Panthers were minus one and a half. And then it, it flipped to the Browns one and a half. A lot of people really? put money on the Browns. You have to win these toss up games. Until Deshaun Watson comes back. And Jacoby Brissett got it done today. Nick Chubb got it done. I think he had 141 yards. Uh, the defense prevailed in the end. I'd have a shout out to Cade York, 58 yeah. yard field goal uh, in his first NFL game, 58 yard game winning field goal in his first NFL game. That is incredible. I think I, I saw a quote from him after the game. He's like, I don't really celebrate field goals, but that one was just different. Yeah, it is different when you kick a 58 yard game winner in the in your first game. So. Shout yeah. out to him. No, absolutely. And the way that it hooked was really cool too, because it looked yeah. like it was going way wide and then it just curved all the way in. But um really the 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 name of the game for Cleveland to stay afloat is to you know rely on the run game and not turn the ball over. And that's exactly what they did today. They didn't turn the ball over. Uh, they had uh how many rushing yards in total? They had 217 rushing yards, five and five and a half, five point six yards a carry. You could win a lot of games in the NFL like that. If you're going five point six a clip and you're not turning the ball over, it's gonna be tough to beat you. I mean that's exactly what they had to do. Exactly. And, and and that's what they did. And you know what? At the end of the day, if they win all six, if they go six and five and they win all six games by a, a field goal, they still won six games, you know. Take it. Yeah, that's what that's what it is. So I like you said, five and six, six and five. If they could somehow pull off seven and four, I think we're definitely looking at a playoff team in in, in yeah. Cleveland for sure. Um, on the flip side, I think Baker Mayfield kind of you know summed it up best with what he said after the game. You know, it's just the first game. You know, we have sixteen other games. I think that they played very adequately. The defense played pretty well. Uh, not up to par. I, I would think with the playmakers that they have on defense, they would have played a little bit better, at least gotten one turnover maybe. But um, I don't think there's really anything to worry about. I think that this this Carolina team under Baker Mayfield isn't going to be a playoff team, but I think they're certainly going to be in contention. I could see them winning set, like seven games with them as at quarterback. I have, I have pretty good confidence in Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I, I like Baker Mayfield. I'm not a real Matt Rule believer. But mm -hmm. I, I do think I agree with you. We're, we're still in wait and see mode with the Panthers. This this yeah. game doesn't say much. They could have they could have easily won it. I mean, come on, fifty eight yards. Nobody would have been shocked. Yeah, if, exactly. If that didn't go in, so it could have been a win. It ended up being a loss. It was a very emotional game, I'm sure, for Baker Mayfield, even if he didn't want to say it out loud. 
uh, we're, we're in wait with SEMO. We'll see what they do. We'll see where they're at in about a month. And that'll tell us uh, in what direction this is going. Now, I got to say one thing to you, Dan. And I'm going to get real close to the mic on this one. <laughs> How about those fucking giants, baby? How about yeah. those giants? They look like the Jets in the first half. I did. Yeah, they looked worse than the Jets in the first half. <laughs> they looked worse than the Jets. <laughs> At least the Jets had some points. I mean, first off, I've always been a big, I've always been a big fan of Brian Dable. At least since he's become the uh, head coach of the Giants, because he, this is so stupid, but he was like six and zero at Ranger playoff games when he went. So immediately I became a fan and I was actually at three of those games that he was at. And he always like, every time they showed him, he got the crowd all hyped up. He, it, he carries his nuts in a wheelbarrow. Like, and I mean, we saw it with that call too. First off the play call was atrocious. I mean, Daniel Jones almost fucked up that, that play. If it wasn't for Saquon Barkley flashing back to like 2018, I, 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 this would have been a different story, but I mean, just, the balls. I thought they weren't going to run it. I thought that they were going to line up, see what the defense looked like, and then 99% were not going to run it. And as soon as I saw Daniel Jones put that foot down, the ball came out. I'm like, son of a bitch, they're going to win this game, aren't they? And I, I just like, I don't really even want to get into the performance because I thought Saquon looked fantastic. And then Daniel Jones, besides for that bad interception, really didn't look that bad. I know he he struggled at first, but then he found uh, Sterling Shepard for that long touchdown. I think he looked pretty pretty good. This is the better the best version of Daniel Jones we've seen in the last ten games. So I'm okay with that. Um, I'm just going to come out and say it: the Tennessee Titans are exactly who I thought they are, and that's not a playoff team. That's my that's exactly my takeaway from this game. Something I almost tweeted earlier. I'm I'm not sure why I didn't, but I think you wanted me to say it to you. That's why I wanted you to say it to me. Actually, one other reason is that the the AFC South does not look good. So I can't rule out the Titans no. yet. That's why. That's the only reason yeah. why. Uh but I, I do think the main takeaway from that game is this is not their year. It's just not. I, I no. they don't they don't have the receiving weapons. Today proved that Derrick Henry can't do it on his own. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, we all know, can't do it on his own. The defense lost Harold Harold Landry. That's a big deal. Uh, even Jeffrey Simmons looked great early on today. I think he had a couple sacks. Dark horse. He can't do it on his own. Year. This team, I, he, listen, he's he looked like he does look like a defensive player of the year candidate. He might he might have something there. But the Titans do not look like a playoff team. And no. The only reason I put a pause on that is because of the AFC, AFC South. The Colts didn't look good. Jaguars never look good. Texans are good, <laughs> I, but this is not this is not their year, uh, and that's not to take away from the Giants. Like, look, the Giants should not have won this game. If you look at the, the talent levels on these two teams, I give all the credit in the world uh, to what Brian Dable did. I love that call. You're right, not the play call, but the fact to go for it, to come out and say, "Look, I'm the anti Joe Judge. I'm I'm the opposite. I'm going to put the city on my back with this with this play call. We have nothing to lose. I love it. Love it." Um, and Saquon Barkley, like you said, he he looked like 2018 Saquon Barkley. I, he's his confidence right now must be through the roof. It's amazing, yeah, uh, how he must feel after a game like that, after what he's been through the last two years. I think the the Giants, just like the Panthers, I'm kind of in wait and see mode. I I don't know if I trust this offense yet after one good half or mm-hmm. after one solid game from Saquon. 
but you have to like what you see. If you're a Giants fan, you got to take it and smile and be happy for the next week because you don't know how long it's going to last. If you're a Titans fan, yeah, it's time to be concerned. I think, I think it's already yeah. time to be concerned, but I think it really is time to be concerned. And I don't really want to pit. First off, I don't. I agree with what you're saying that Ryan Tannehill can't do this on his own. This loss is not on Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he no, but, put but, in a position. There's a reason why they only finished with 20 points because no, no, ab- ab- absolutely. But he did put them in a position to win the game yeah. and rent fat Randy, Randy Bullock. Bullock. Yeah, couldn't. that surprised me. Randy Bullock is a rock solid kicker, so I don't know what happened. In more ways than one. <laughs> but but I mean, he um, with a couple beautiful throws too. I mean, he put them in a position to like. That throw to I think it was Kyle Phillips on the sideline for like an 18 or 20 yard gain that really mattered the most. That that really did it for me. That was a great throw. But I also want to say that I think Mike Vrabel had a, had a big coach, coaching blunder as well. They were on the I want to say like the 32 yard line, and they huddled up too long. I don't know if you caught this, and. Instead of taking a five-yard penalty with 32 seconds left and one timeout left, the clock was stopped, mind you. It wasn't running. Mike Vrabel called their last timeout. Now, that puts you in an immensely tougher situation. I know 32 seconds is a long time, and you're on the 32-yard line, which equates a 47-yard field goal. You're an NFL kicker. You should easily be able to make that nine times out of ten. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, kicking league-wide today was absolutely atrocious. But, I mean. That to me, that was a coaching blunder because if that's me, granted, I'm sitting on my ass in my room right now, getting ready to go to work tomorrow. He is a multimillionaire, ex NFL player, and a really solid NFL head coach. Me, I'm taking the five yard penalty. If they're going to give me yards, if they're not going to press me at the line, I easily get that five yards back with, with, with another with another play. And it was third down, so it's basically four down territory there anyway. So. I didn't really understand that. I would save I would save that timeout because then I'd be able to get if he gets three, four yards closer, that's a field goal and that they come away with a win. That ball just hooked to the left at the last second. So I'm just saying I might be nitpicking here, but I think that that was a little bit of a coaching blunder. And regardless, though, the Tennessee Titans do not look like a playoff team. No, and I think the only thing that can save them is the AFC South. But um it's you know, I, I I don't mean to say that Ryan Tannehill had a bad game. He did not. But there is no guy outside of Derrick Henry who's going to carry this offense. And I think today proved you just can't count on Derrick Henry to carry the offense, at least to a win. I mean, he, yeah. he had an okay day, but it was against the Giants team that has, you know, almost nothing at linebacker aside from, aside from Tay Crowder. The, the, the mm-hmm. thought going in was that he'd kind of tear them up. It just didn't happen. So you – you can't go into these games thinking that Derrick Henry is going to be able to do it all. And today proved that even when Ryan Tannehill has a solid day, uh, sometimes the Titans just don't have enough. And uh, that's that's going to be an issue all year. But at least the AFC South gives you uh, six winnable games. doesn't mean they'll win yeah. all of them. But there's no dominant team they're going up against in their own division that's going to keep them out. Listen, talking about not having enough, <laughs> I think I think today proved us both right. That we we th- I had thought it was a lock that the Minnesota Vikings were going to beat the Green Bay Packers. I there was like not a day. De- if I would have had a million dollars, I would have slammed it on the table and I would have been like, bet put it on the Vikings. I mean, listen, Aaron Rodgers had concerns about the wide receivers dropping passes in the preseason, 
and on the first target of Christian Watson's career, wide open down the field, right through, the right through his hands. Easy touchdown right through his hands. I mean, not saying that that would have changed the landscape of the game because the Minnesota Vikings harassed Aaron Rodgers. Their pass rush was relentless. And Justin Jefferson was relentless. If I was Kirk Cousins, I would have thrown the ball to him every single time. Even if he was triple covered, I would have thrown it to him. That's how dominant he was. I mean, granted, he only had, I think, three catches for like 26 yards in the second half. But did he really have to have like any other catches? They, I mean, once they put Jair Alexander on him, which they should, they should have done after the first touchdown, then he slowed down a little bit. But he was running rampant all over this Green Bay Packers team. And it just proves to me one thing that Justin Jefferson, and I, I might sound crazy saying this, maybe you'll agree, maybe you're not. Debate a wall, Dan. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in football, and it's not close. Devontae it's Adams, it's, it's not close. Cooper not Cup. Close. Cooper Cup looked every bit as dominant on not close. Not close. With, with Give me no Justin Jefferson every there. time. Dan, debate a wall. Turn around. The separation that, that Cooper Cup gets, we can't forget it just because he played on Thursday and Ju- Justin Jefferson played on Sunday. But I think I think Justin Jefferson, and you might agree with me, is a real contender to have the first two thousand yard receiving season. Yes, I think it's very possible. The seventeenth yeah. game, of course, is what makes that possible now. But I think it's very possible that he pulls that out. Uh, the Vikings, listen, it's only one game, but they look serious. Yes, and the, the reason is it's not just oh look at Kirk Cousins throwing to Justin Jefferson. The defense had its way with Aaron Rodgers. They've got Daniel Hunter back. They've got Zadarius Smith on this team. Uh, the defensive line has been built up a little bit. Uh, there's really no there's no huge weakness. I know Harrison Smith, who's in his 11th year with the team, had an interception. Yeah. This is a seriously good, well-balanced team that has one of the best quarterback receiver duos in the NFL right now and a defense to go along with it. And I'm very excited about Coach Kevin O'Connell, who yeah. got a win in his debut today. Not only that, we haven't even mentioned Dalvin Cook. Now, that should tell you how scary that this Minnesota Vikings team could be, considering that a top three, top five running back in the NFL wasn't even mentioned. I mean, he had a solid day, but really the stars, like we said, was the the defense and was Justin Jefferson. And here goes a string again of Aaron Rodgers just being terrible on the first game of the season. I mean, last year, what did he throw? Two picks. Last year he had about a hundred yards of, uh, and he only scored three points. He he scored seven this time, <laughs> so he got a little bit better. But, it was a rough one last year, and yeah, yeah I, I don't. Is it a week one thing with him? Is this just going to be like the the usual thing now going forward with Aaron? I don't know. I mean, he played terrible the last two week ones, and then he won league MVP both times. So I, I don't know, but no, dude, it's just it's different. You could tell. I mean, don't get me wrong. Aaron Rodgers could make me look like a serviceable wide receiver in the NFL. That's how good he is. It's going to take a little time. When you, when Randall Cobb is your most reliable wide receiver, it's going to take Aaron Rodgers a little bit of time to find his groove with these other guys. I mean, Romeo Dobbs came a little bit alive in the second half, someone that I expect is going to have a, a, a big rookie year. Christian Watson, did he even have a catch in his debut? I mean, I know he dropped a touchdown pass. but He might have. But I don't think he did. It wasn't a big impact. Yeah. I think he if he did, catches, it was, all right, we'll give him credit. Yeah. Two catches for 34 yards. But yeah, well, through three quarters, it was zero for zero. Yeah, so, yeah, that drop. So that drop so, was worth minus three catches, actually. You know, he's going <laughs> to so he hit negative one catches, actually. <laughs> um, but like, a, just for the headline purposes, I'm going to say that we should hit the panic button in Green Bay. But you know, as well as I know, that 
Aaron Rodgers is going to be just fine. I don't think I like I said, I think it'll take a couple. I feel like this is going to be a team like the Kansas City Chiefs last year. Remember when we had that serious doubt for like nine weeks that the Chiefs were going to be as good and they obviously are as good as they were. I feel like that's going to be the Green Bay Packers this year where it's like they'll struggle for a little bit. But all in all, they'll still prove that they are one of the best teams in football. And I know that sounds crazy, but because 12 is under center makes them one of the best teams in football. And they have Alan Lazard coming back. Well, we assume he's coming back. He didn't play today. That'll help. At least, even though he's probably not a legitimate number one wide receiver, no. he's somebody that Aaron Rodgers has very good connection with, uh, clearly trusts. I think right now Aaron Rodgers needs that guy that he trusts. And when Lazard comes back, it'll make things better. But story of the game, I think the Vikings have established themselves as a force in the NFC North, if not a force in the NFC. Absolutely. Uh, a team that has a similar receiver situation to the Packers are those Kansas City Chiefs who traded Tyreek Hill in the offseason, right around when Devontae Adams is traded. Uh, and safe to say, it's working out a lot better for the Chiefs so far than the Packers. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, does 30 for 39 for 360 yards and five touchdowns scream good? I don't know. I guess Patrick Mahomes make... is okay. I guess he's 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 fine. Dude, I like – it doesn't I matter. don't like to give – it does not matter. It does not matter. I don't like to give Colin Cowherd credit, but he did say something earlier this week that I wholeheartedly agree with, and it was about Patrick Mahomes. He goes, great quarterbacks make great teams. doesn't matter who's around them. And that we've seen that case with Tom Brady. We've seen it with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen it with some old school guys as well. Patrick Mahomes is great. I mean, and the the funny part is we're really under we are really underwhelming or undermining, I should say, this wide receiving core. Because when you look at Travis Kelsey, Marquez Valdez Gantling, Juju Smith Schuster, Sky Moore, Miko Hardman, that's pretty great on a lot of other teams. But the fact that we've been spoiled by the Tyreek Hill uh Travis Kelsey duo for so long, we're like, oh my God, they are going to be absolute shit without Tyreek Hill. And it's like <laughs> they could both eat, and they both did. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Patrick Mahomes probably took all that banter from the offseason and was like, I'll fucking show you. Like, you think the Arizona Cardinals are going to stop me? And this game could have gotten so much more ugly. This game, the, the Kansas City Chiefs could have easily put up 60 today. That's how good Patrick Mahomes looked. And the fact that the Arizona Cardinals even got 21 points – I mean, they were basically just playing prevent defense for the whole second half, the Kansas City Chiefs. It wasn't even close. It, it was not Murray even close. Nice garbage time. Yeah, and there. Kyler Murray said it best, too, after the game, <laughs> because we just got our ass kicked. That's literally what he yeah. said. He was like, it's no way about it. We got our ass kicked. And, um, you know, Kyler Murray wasn't that bad today. It's just that he was never given a chance to even be in this game. That's basically what it was. It was just the defense was getting torched way too much and way too often to the point where if Kyler Murray had won three and out, the game was over. And that's essentially what happened. So as much as we like to bash Kyler Murray on this podcast, um, I, I don't think that really it, – it's just Kansas City was just too good today. That's really all it was. Yeah, the Cardinals just aren't at that level. We, we found that out today. Kyler Murray, listen, I, I don't think he played that great overall. I think garbage time helped a lot. The first half – but you're right. The issue is it was all on Kyler Murray from the start. Yeah. You know, he was – they were, they were in this huge deficit early on. They did nothing on the ground. There was no reason to really run the ball when you have to overcome that kind of deficit. And they put it all on him. And he's not the type of quarterback yet, and especially not with 
with DeAndre Hopkins out. Uh, but I think somebody, I saw somebody tweet, um, Patrick Mahomes didn't need Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill didn't need Patrick Mahomes. They're yeah. both outstanding players on their own. They proved that today, although we could have guessed it already. Uh, but you're right. I mean, if you if you look at this receiving card, the depth, Kelsey, Juju, uh, Sky Moore, Nicole Hardman, Valdez Scantling, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had two touchdowns through the air. Yeah. He had a nice day on the ground, 242 yards and seven carries. They may not have a number one wide receiver. They do, they do have a legitimate number one target. That's Travis Kelsey. But they've got guys. They've got options all over. And, you know, those, some of those Patriots teams that won the Super Bowl didn't have a legitimate number one receiver. They had options. Sometimes it's all you need. And so yeah. the Chiefs have established themselves. They're right near the top of the NFL, if there was any doubt. And, uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. And then moving on to the last completed matchup that we have, although the other game that's in progress right now is pretty much over at this point. Um, the Raiders and the Chargers. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought this game was pretty much like done after Justin Herbert's third touchdown pass. But in typical Chargers fashion, even a win – they had to make look a little bit scary. So, um, you know, the Raiders, I mean, despite Derek Carr having, what, three interceptions and, like, four turnovers overall, um, they were still in it. They were still in it throughout the entire game. Devontae Adams proved to be basically all the offense, 17 targets, 10 catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, Justin Herbert is just that good. That's just basically what it is. And then, you know, you look at additions that they added throughout the offseason. The, basically, the last play of the game or the, the game clincher was a Khalil Mack strip, strip sack. You know, like, you, you add players like that. Those are the players that step up in the biggest moments, and that's exactly what Khalil Mack did. He stepped up and ended the game. I mean, there was a good possibility that Derek Carr was going to drive them down and, and win the game. But it didn't happen because of players like that. You add those guys to overcome those shortcomings, because if this was the Chargers of last year, it, the Raiders probably would have came down and scored. Yeah. yeah, four and a half sacks combined from Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Yep. That sums it up right there. That's exactly what they wanted. They wanted an elite pass rush duo, and they got it. And it made the difference today. They didn't even have J.C. Jackson, yeah. who was a huge addition in free agency, the top available free agent. Uh, when they get him back, it's going to be that much better. They got three interceptions without him. Justin Herbert looked like an MVP candidate. He 77% passing, 279 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, one problem, Keenan Allen has a hamstring injury. It looks like he'll miss a little bit of time. But when you start 1-0 versus 0-1, you can all right, you can afford it a little bit. Uh, but fantasy injuries just piled up all over the place. Dude, I'm telling you, my whole team, my whole team is littered with so, questions, so with Q's anybody, and D's. If there's anybody healthy left on your team, you have to let me know because I got to brace for it next week. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We'll brace for it, and then whoever's healthy, whoever's left that's healthy is going to be injured. I don't even think I have enough players to fill the team next next week. I think I honestly have to release like one Hit or two guys. Yeah, no, I have to like release like one or two like guys if I want to field a, a complete team. That's how many guys got in. I think Joe Burrow was the only person in my lineup that didn't get injured today. And he only did was go out and throw four interceptions for you. Yeah, and five turnovers. But you basically nailed it on the head. I mean, this Chargers team does look a little bit different. I'm going to put a pin in this because I feel like they are elite. I want to see a better offensive performance, though, from the from well, they, the L.A. Chargers. They've got the like, Chiefs next week. Yeah, and that, listen, that could be a 45-42 game. Yeah, the, the Keenan Allen absence worries me a little bit. But Justin Herbert is so good that it's going to be a lot of fun seeing them 
go head to head. And last um, year too, the, the Chiefs played the Chargers. Or really, I should say the Chargers played the Chiefs very closely. I uh, just couldn't close the deal. Can yeah. they close the deal this time? That might tell us whether they're going to win the division or not. So yeah. Uh, after and, that though, they got the Jaguars and the Texans, and then the yeah. Browns, Broncos, and Seahawks and Falcons. So man, if they, if they like could six beat the winnable Chiefs, games out of seven, if they could beat the Chiefs, could you imagine? Uh, they they could end up starting on a six and one, seven and one, eight and zero. Oh, who knows? Wow, they're, they're so much better than these teams. But I don't know. Will they beat the Chiefs? Probably not. They'll end not up three and five. Then three they'll. Five. They're, yeah, they're going to lose to Davis Mills. Actually, they did last year. They so. did last year, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to make a joke, and then you're like, "Oh shit, that they actually." Lost to the Raiders better. too, and guess what? They came back and beat them today. So they're a different team now. Uh, I'm very, very yeah. Well, there had to be a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of extra incentive to beat them after the whole timeout incident in week yeah, 18. But so. um, the only other game that's on the slate right now, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are beating the lowly Dallas Cowboys 19 to three with uh, three minutes left in the fourth. That game is pretty much over. And then um, tomorrow we have the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. I fully expect the Denver Broncos to come out and poop all over the Seattle Seahawks. But Gino. I don't know. This was week one. And this was a wild week one. So I don't even know if what I just said could come true. So we're going to have to put a pin in this until next week. And then you eventually when the Seattle Seahawks beat the Denver Broncos 34-0 tomorrow, um, you'll go, ha, 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 you're stupid because you thought they were going to get their asses kicked. You didn't know Gino would have the game of his life? <laughs> oh, man. Dan, I got to be honest with you, Dan. I love these. These recaps are I know we only have done one, but I, I, the recaps are like my favorite part of doing any sort of podcasting in any aspect. It's, it's as close to a live reaction as you can get. These games yeah. just happened. 24 hours ago, we thought that the, uh, the, uh, the 49ers were going to go in there and dominate the Bears and that the Saints would have no problem against the Falcons, and maybe you didn't think that. Uh, and all, all the unexpected happens. So that's right. Don't rule out Geno Smith. Do oh, not God, rule out. Again. You never know. But no, I'm, I picked the Broncos just in case anybody wants to blame me. me Seahawks lose. Me too. Safe Dan had to go pick the uh, the Denver Safe Broncos. Safe Dan's got the better record. So. Oh my God! Here we go. He's talking smack already after one week. But oh my God! All right. I mean, that was quite a long recap, but I thought it was necessary, and I had a lot of fun doing this. So, if you guys have any feedback on these recaps, kindly reach out to us. We have no shame in answering anyone. I love engaging with you guys. So if you guys have a question, comment, concern, if you want to know anything about us, just ask me. I don't know if Dan is as open as I am, but um, just ask me. I'll tell you whatever you want. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. I'll tell you whatever you want about me. Exactly. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope that whatever day you're listening to this, Monday morning, Monday night, freaking Saturday before the games next week, Thank you guys so much for listening, and we appreciate it so much. Dan, take us away, baby. DT5000, take us away. Yeah, this is a different style of episode. The first time we've been able to do a recap of NFL games. We had a full slate today. Of course, we had the Thursday night game as well. Next week, we have a full slate. No bye weeks yet. So it's going to be a good time next week seeing what was a fluke from this week, what was not, uh, what may or may not have been a fluke. So we're looking forward to it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Looking forward to this next week of football.